Hi, I'm Dan Morrell, editor of the HBS Alumni Bulletin and host of Skydeck. Gail Zamak-Lamon is a journalist and author of two New York Times best-selling books. Before coming to HBS, she was a political reporter and a TV producer in Washington, D.C., and she started writing about entrepreneurship and conflict zones while she was a student here. Her first book, 2012's The Dressmaker of Kirkana, tells the story of Kamala Siddiqui, a young female Afghan entrepreneur who built a thriving business under Taliban rule. Her 2015 book, Ashley's War, follows a team of female soldiers working alongside frontline U.S. combat teams in Afghanistan, gaining access and building relationships that their male counterparts could not. Associate Editor April White spoke with Lamont about the stories behind those stories and the parallels between them. You've written two best-selling books now, and you were already a journalist before you came to HBS. What made you decide to come to business school? You know, I really believed that business is among the most powerful forces changing the world for the better and also for the worse. But I wanted to be part of the for the better part and really have a career that was about moving in and out of the private sector and having an impact. Uh, using what you know to learn what you don't and really taking the skills I had from news of being able to work with very imperfect information and to tell stories that connected to people, that created community, and figure out why the world worked the way it did in terms of capital markets, in terms of opportunities for people, in terms of how business could actually create opportunity and hope for people who needed it. It was during your time here at HBS that you traveled to Afghanistan. How did that come to be? I had worked this summer between first and second year at BP in St. James Square in London in 2005. And I was actually on the tube the day of the uh, 7-7 bombing. I was on the Piccadilly line on my way to St. James Square. And, you know, I was really already fascinated by the world and the forces that were driving change for the better and and for the worse. And I just really believed that entrepreneurship and job creation was one path to creating hope and opportunity. And that was something I really wanted to learn about and be able to talk about. And so I really went on a flyer to Rwanda from London and all my bosses at BP were like, you're going where? You know, what, what are you doing the last two weeks of the summer? And I stayed with Alia Sharif, who was a classmate, and just started interviewing a bunch of entrepreneurs who had small and medium enterprises about how they saw the world and what kind of work they were creating for others. And I ended up stringing a Financial Times piece uh, from that trip. This woman in Rwanda was this kind of incredible story about this lady who, yes, she had a basket company, pretty traditional, right? When you think about what women, what kind of work women do, uh, particularly post-conflict in terms of low wage, but, you know, handicrafts, this kind of thing that is also culturally important. And she, yes, had a basket making business, but those women who were making baskets with her, among them were survivors of the genocide and women whose husbands had perpetrated the genocide. And the woman who ran this company said, listen, when we come in here, we talk about business. No politics, nothing that happened before. We talk about earning money, making money for our families, and moving our lives forward. And while, yes, they were making baskets, those baskets being made were being sold at a little shop called Macy's Department Store in New York City. And as it turned out, the day that the Financial Times piece ran was the day she had arrived in New York to renegotiate her Macy's contract. So it happened actually to be perfect timing to actually make a difference for her too and to get some great press 
uh, for Macy's, which then helped her renegotiate, you know, what she was earning on those baskets. So I really, that was the first time going to Rwanda that summer that I saw how it could all come together. And so when HBS saw uh, the piece run in the FT, one of my professors, Jeff Jones, who's a tremendous supporter of this work and, and without whom, you know, some of it would not have happened, said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, well, if we're going to write about entrepreneurship and post-conflict, we got to write about Afghanistan, right? Especially if you're talking about women. And that's how I just decided to go. I had a lot of friends uh, in news still. And uh, my friend at the CBS had a fixer uh, who she recommended for me to work with on the ground in Afghanistan. And I just bought a ticket and went. What was that first experience in Afghanistan? And how did you go about um, breaking down any of those barriers that you might have felt you had between you and the people you were talking to? I had no idea what I was doing going to report in Afghanistan. It wasn't like I had spent time in South Asia before or, but you know, I know how to find a story. And the truth is that if you are resourceful and humble and know how to listen, you can operate in most places in the world. You know, if you come from a position of respect for the people who are hosting you and an ability to listen and learn, so much is possible wherever you are in the world. Um, and I think I was dumb enough to believe that anything was possible, you know, and, and really um, just said, okay, well, I'm just going to get on the plane. So that trip to Afghanistan uh, turned into a case, correct? It did. It turned into a case that we still teach. In fact, uh, the you know we teach it every year and have every year since. And it also uh, became a book, um, which was the first book uh, that I did, uh, which was five years came out five years after I finished HBS, uh, March of 2011, and it was uh, the dressmaker of Karkana about a girl whose business supported her family and her neighborhood under the Taliban. Tell me about teaching that case. What do you hope students take away from that experience? I want students to see that business is not just about fancy people in fancy rooms and places with water, power, and light, and very good infrastructure, right? That, that in fact, some of the most resourceful and savvy entrepreneurs are in the toughest parts of the world because their skills have come to be honed and tested in very different ways. And I want to really expand our idea of what business is and what kinds of careers students can have afterwards. You were working full-time at PIMCO and writing at night as you turned the dressmaker's story into a book. Why was it so important to you to bring her story to a wider audience? The truth was I didn't know it was a book when I left HBS, but I knew it was the story I was really obsessed with. Uh, Kamala had just started her next business when I first met her in December of 2005. I went back in 2007, and I was at PIMCO at the time. I didn't tell anybody other than my assistant where I was going because they would have thought it was entirely insane to go from Newport Beach to Kabul. I mean, who would do that on their vacation? When I was reporting Dressmaker, things really were blowing up, you know, in seven-week period. One time in Afghanistan, you know, the Ministry of Interior uh, had an IED explosion. The Ministry of Defense, somebody tried to attack. Three foreigners uh, were nearly kidnapped. Two foreigners were shot dead on the street. Another journalist we knew was taken. So, I mean, things were happening all the time from a security standpoint. And so it was a huge issue, not just for me, but also to get people to talk with me, right? Because how did we find a place to meet, right? How, where did these young women, where could these young women be safe? And, you know, was it okay that they were talking to a foreigner? And we used all kinds of security maneuvers. You know, I would wear a no makeup, a ponytail, and, you know, big 
Got black pants, black shirt, uh, and black aerosols from uh, Target and from the aerosol store. And then I would wear a jacket and headscarf from the Islamic clothing store in Anaheim, California, to really blend in so that nobody noticed us. And the truth is that that, then by the time you're done reporting uh, a book like Dressmaker, it all feels very, I don't want to say second nature because that's that's not true. You do, but you have a much uh, more immediate sense of your own mortality. And uh, a real respect for the grace with which everybody around you who doesn't have the benefit of a passport that could take them out of there when things get uh, rough uh, lives. And it really does change you. What kind of responses did you get to this first book? I always say Dressmaker was the little book that could. You know, no one expected much from that book. But I knew if you took out Afghanistan, even took out the Taliban, it was really a story about what a young woman did when her back was against the wall and how she overcame obstacles and odds that were really stacked against her to make a difference, not just for her family, but for families around her neighborhood. You could get down to the fact that it was just a story about an entrepreneur creating hope. And that's actually what happened. You know, we got this incredible mail uh, pretty soon after the book came out in March of 2011 from this uh, entrepreneur who had in pretzel company in Chicago. And she said, you know what? If these girls can get through the Taliban, then I can get through the recession. And I never really expected people to take it that personally. And to see that, you know, we had another entrepreneur, an organic cleaning solutions entrepreneur from uh, Detroit, who wrote and said, you know what? This book inspired me to keep going, even though things have been so tough with the downturn. And I thought, wow, you know, no one thinks of Afghanistan as a place that inspires and creates hope. How do you communicate to your reader both this idea that we are talking about people who are very similar to us in a lot of ways and make that personal connection, while at the same time telling them how different circumstances can be? You know, I think there are two ways. One is you have to make politics deeply personal, right? You have to make all of what's happening in people's lives deeply personal to people who will never meet them, who will never go to their country, who will never know them. And and I think you do that by focusing on common humanity. And the thing with Kamala's family is that she was a young woman who could have been, you know, she would have been an entrepreneur wherever she was in the world. You know, I mean, she's just incredibly savvy, really funny, had a filofax, a whiteboard, wraparound glasses, you know, and, and just was this really modern young person who was trying to change her country. Your second book is also set in part in Afghanistan. Uh, Ashley's War is about the women of the cultural support teams who went into battle alongside the U.S. Special Operations troops. What drew you to that story? Well, after Dressmaker, I think every writer has, you know, a post-book hangover, you know, what do I do next? Am I really ever going to find another story I love this much? And I was wondering whether I was going to or whether I would just move on to the next adventure professionally. Uh, and then I was hosting an event and this Marine said to me, well, you know, it's like the story of Ashley White and all those young women who were out on ranger raids. And I said, what? <laughs> because this was 2012 and the combat ban on women in ground combat in the American military was very much in place. And I had been in and out of Afghanistan a decent amount. And I said, well, wait a minute. What about the combat ban? You know, I thought women weren't allowed to be uh, at the front. And what, you know, how was this actually possible? And, you know, my mother-in-law's from Texas. And if you say something really dumb, she always goes, bless your heart. 
Uh, and those Marines looked at me with kind of that same expression, like, you know, you don't know anything. Of course, women have been out there for years. And I took that as a challenge because I think every great book, every great story starts with a puzzle, with a question that doesn't make sense. And so I set out to figure out what were these young women doing on nighttime operations, on special operations missions on the ground in Afghanistan in 2011? Who sent them there? And how did we as a country not know that they existed? And I started with those sets of questions and that uh, story and that reporting became Ashley's War. Were the challenges of reporting that story very different from reporting The Dressmaker? Very different, actually. Um, You know, Ashley's War is a story about this groundbreaking all-women special operations team recruited for Ranger and SEAL missions, you know, to see because their country needed them, right? It's a story of service, and it's a story of raising your hand when your country asks. You know, they went there not just willingly, but they couldn't raise their hands fast enough because they were this incredible group of young women who started as teammates, became friends, and really ended their time at war as family. And the only people who knew what they had seen and done at the tip of the spear while officially they weren't there. Um, So the story was so obvious, right? But the reporting was, you know, very difficult at the beginning because – not many people wanted to speak with me. Um, what helped was that Ashley White's family, who are just really genuinely incredible people, um, a family that is really focused on on service and, and on um, hard work and commitment and sacrifice for the next generation, you know, they would vouch for me when uh, I would go try to meet more people to talk to me about, you know, who these young women were. Now, do you see a common thread which has run through both of your books, a a connection between Kamala and Ashley? Yeah, absolutely. Where I see the similarities between the two stories, at at the heart, they are both stories about resilience and courage and grit and the power of serving a cause greater than yourself. And unconventional teams uh, filled with underestimated women who rose to the moment and who showed not just what was possible for them, but what was possible for everybody who would come after them. Skydeck is produced by the External Relations Department at Harvard Business School. For more information or to find archived episodes, visit alumni.hbs.edu backslash podcast.